We are in chapter five, but I believe that some of the very things that we're going to look in chapter five has much to do with uh, this idea of evil and our unwillingness to look at others the way that God looks at us. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would open up to Ephesians 5. Just a quick recap for those of you that have, uh, maybe this is your first time watching this series. And just a reminder that as we look through the book of Ephesians, there are six chapters in it. The first three chapters talk about all of what we get through God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is that theology, it is that foundation of theology that then moves us towards our ethical behavior. In other words, chapters four, five, and six talk about how we then should live. And we, we've looked at a number of different things. And we looked at last week specifically that, that at one time all of us acted as if we were Gentiles. And that term Gentile is basically the idea that we have lived apart from and away from God. We did not have God in our forethought. In fact, God was almost a foreign concept to us, or at best, it was a really distorted view of God. And I know I've talked to you all about this in, in, in regards to my own walk, my idea of who God was, that he was this big eye in the sky, just waiting to smite me when I messed up just enough and he was just gonna hit the smite button and and I'd be done. And that's a fearful way to look at God. But as we look through scripture and as we see in these first three chapters of the great love that God has for us and the incredible extent that God went to to enter into relationship with us. And it's just so beautiful. So chapter four, we started looking at this. What does it then look like? How should, I, how should I live? And no longer live as that Gentile apart from God because we are no longer apart from God. If you are a child of God, if you have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are no longer a Gentile, but you are part of the family. You are no longer excluded. You are included. You no longer are homeless, but you have a home in Christ Jesus. In chapter four, Paul made this, this statement to become worthy of the calling that God placed on all of our hearts. And we looked a little bit at that. And, and the gist of it was that we need to put off the old and put on the new. Put off the old, our old behaviors, our old way of thinking, our old way of doing things, and put on the new. And the new are the teachings and uh, the understanding that we are being transformed in Jesus Christ. See, as a Gentile, our thinking was all skewed and we really lived for us. And tell me that that's not what's happening over in Europe right now. I still don't know all the political ramifications and I don't understand why Russia needs Ukraine, but anyways, it is that desire of wanting control. And we looked at it even this last week that there is an illusion of control that we seek after. We really have very little control. But anyway, Jesus is telling us, put off the old and put on the new. The remainder of chapter four and into chapter five, Paul is gonna go through and he's doing a really great comparison of what it looks like to put off the old. 
And I made just a little list here of things. And I said, you know, the first thing that Paul talks about is put off the lies and allow truth to give way. He's gonna remind us that the old is anger that needs to be overcome with peace. That no longer can we steal, that theft is arrested by generosity. Gossip is muzzled by encouragement. Boy, don't we like the gospel. Put off the old, put on the new. Words of encouragement to others instead of talking behind people's backs. The idea of revenge is mobilized by forgiveness. One of the hardest things we can do as humans once we have been hurt or been injured is to forgive others, but yet it is a very commandment of God and it is the motivating factor that drives us to forgiveness is the forgiveness that we have experienced in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We get rid of promiscuity and it's done away with and we live under self-control. We get rid of drunkenness and instead of being filled with drugs and alcohol and, and all these other things, we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit which is the very presence of God. And so this leads us now to this idea that these are ideas that we need to be living, that putting off the old, putting on the new. And now what he's gonna do, he's gonna give us chapter five, the second half of chapter five is all about, this is an illustration. This is what it looks like to live out these things. And he's gonna give us a very practical example. So if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna start in verse one. And he says this, the first thing you gotta do is be imitators of Jesus Christ. Be imitators of Jesus Christ. Paul writes these words. He says, uh, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. <clears throat> and here's the example that he's gonna give. And he goes into this, these verses 21 through the rest of the chapter 33, and it's gonna be an example of marriage, and we're all familiar with this. So let's go ahead and read through this. <clears throat> Starting in verse 21, Paul writes these words, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, and we hate this passage. We hate this passage. Wives, submit to your own husbands. As you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. We hate this. Ladies, there's many of you, I've actually done weddings and they said, whatever you do, don't use this passage. Men are going, I see nothing wrong with this passage. I will tell you, we have ruined the word, what the word submit means, all right? We're gonna look at that here in just a second, all right? Verse 25, and guys, by the way, if you really like that passage, the remaining part speaks to you. Okay, that's fine. Your wife submits to you. Now you have to, you ready this? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Oh, how hard can that be? I admit, ladies, we are knuckleheads, all right? All right, Hus uh, verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one, one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church, Paul says. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, I will tell you this. We always go to this passage. I do this often in counseling with couples, and we talk about what it is, uh, an example of what marriage looks like. And that is what Paul is looking at. And so we always look at this through the lens of marriage. And in fact, in most of your headers in your, in your Bibles, in fact, mine says instructions on Christian households. All right, and so we get very myopic. We get, break it right down here. But really what we need to do is we need to back off of this a little bit. Yes, there is an aspect of marriage in this. And I will tell you the key verses in this are verse 33, but also verse 21. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But the key, one of the, one of the main things that we need to, as we back off and we get a bigger picture of this is verse 32, when Paul says this, he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now, this is an illustration of what it is of how Jesus interacted with the church. It is how Jesus pours into the church. It is how Jesus is moving all of us towards this idea of oneness, a reoccurring theme throughout this book, and I know that in, um, in week two, I talked about this, in one of the things that Paul, as you read through this, he talks about this idea of becoming united and being one. It's a reoccurring theme that's happening here. And so what we're seeing here is oneness. He even uses this idea, Paul, when he quotes Genesis 2.24, when he says, it is for this reason, speaking about marriage, it is for this reason that a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one. See, what Jesus is doing, he is taking different humanity and he's creating a new humanity, one brand new humanity. There's a new math that happens. There is one Jesus plus one me equals one. Think about this. Even in marriage, husband, wife, they come together and the goal in marriage is to become one. What Jesus is trying to teach us, what Paul is trying to hammer out to us in this is that we are to be one unified body. Just as in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are three, but yet they come together and they are one. Now, I will tell you, that does not make us that we are all identical. 
In fact, in chapter four, Paul talks about that, he, that God has given each of us different, different gifts and talents. And it's for the building up of the body to be one complete unit in Jesus Christ. Is this making sense? You guys with me? You guys tracking with me? All right. Now, I will tell you the key passage in this, and I talked about this. If we look only at this as the marriage, there are two verses in this that are so important. If you just want to look at these passages, 21 through 33, as a model for marriage, I want you to focus in on these two passages. The first one is verse 33. And you all probably have even taken this class or heard of this class. This is where we get, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Love and respect. But the linchpin... The thing that brings us all together is verse 21, and we so many times skip over verse 21 that started this whole passage when Paul reminds us, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, submission is something we all do. Submission is something I am responsible for. Submission is something that you are responsible for. And we don't like submission because we have taken that word and we've either turned it into a four-letter word, it's something derogatory and it means something that's weak. If I submit myself to somebody, then that means I am weak. And that is not what it is. We are all under authority. Jesus Christ, in the example that is given in this passage, and there are numerous examples of this, Jesus, who was in heaven, who is equal with God the Father, submitted himself, left the glory of heaven, and came and served the created. Jesus submitted himself to the authority of the Father. So in the remaining minutes I have left here, I want to share two things about submission with you. Submission is, first of all, it is a choice. Jesus modeled that choice. And by a choice, what I'm saying submission is, and I, I, I got to be honest with you, my sister helped me with this one. Submission is purposely putting myself under the care and protection of another. Think about that. As a choice, as I willingly submit in understanding that I am under authority, I am going to purposely put myself under the care and protection of someone else. I do it with Jesus. When I give up myself, when we give up ourselves, we are saying we are submitting to you as Lord, which means I know personally, I feel it in the core of who I am, but my heart is speaking to me and the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to submit to God, to his instructions, to his way of living. And Paul has done such a great job of illustrating what it looks like to get rid of the old, put on the new, and to be submissive to God. And in doing that, I'm putting myself under his care and protection, and doggone it if he doesn't just do that. 
Jesus purposely put himself under the care and the protection of God because there was a bigger goal. It was for the salvation of the world. Husbands and wives, what would it look like for us to put ourselves under the care and protection of one another? That's becoming one. When I do that, I am willingly partnering with my wife. Lest we forget that when God created woman, he allowed Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was in that deep sleep, God took a bone from the side of Adam. Not from the front or the back or the top or the bottom, but from the side. Brought that woman to Adam, placed her at his side. Equal in value, equal in worth. And even Adam recognized this. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Equal in value, equal in worth. And we're gonna become one. Instead, I don't like being submissive to someone else. I don't like being accountable to other people. We struggle with being accountable to other people. And so what we create is tension. And what we create is anger. And what we create is me, centrist, instead of we. Husbands, what would it look like for you to submit, to willingly put yourself under the care and the protection of your wife? Allow your wife to, to partner with you and pray over you and pray with you. What would it look like for us to actually start listening to the incredible wisdom our wives have? Wives, what would it look like for you to be submissive to your husbands and willingly put yourself under his care and protection? Now, I will tell you, there's great responsibility when we enter into relationship with people and we try to become one. But if I am pursuing God and I'm putting off the old and I am putting on the new and I am living for his ideas and I'm trying to mimic and I'm trying to imitate the Christ as Paul says in chapter one here, I'm gonna protect the persons, the people that submit to me. And I'm gonna trust the people that I submit to will look after me. Does that make sense? So this is my question for you. We've got to wrap it up here. This is always the dangerous part. How is John going to land this thing, okay? Yep, okay. Yeah. All right. 
just catch a wire. If it, yeah, just catch a wire. I don't care if it's the third wire. Any naval aviators out here? Yeah, okay. just catch a wire. Any landing we can walk away from is good. All right. Um, what is your next step? I say this every week. All right. Submission is a choice, but submission is also not passive. All right. I have to take steps for this. So this is this is my idea for you. What 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 do you how do you to whom do you need to submit yourself to? I want to challenge you to go back and I want you to read verses 21 through 33 with the idea that Paul isn't necessarily talking about marriage as much as he is talking about this profound mystery. I'm talking about Jesus and the church and how Jesus submitted himself for the well-being of the church. And the church needs to submit to Jesus. And so it is very active. It's not passive. I have to consciously decide every day I'm gonna submit out of reverence for the Lord and enter into partnership. Paul speaks earlier in, in chapter five uh, when he says that if we choose to maintain the old, verse seven, he says, therefore, we are partners with evil. Now, that's a quick paraphrase. I wanna partner with Jesus because I did plenty of my own. We have all done plenty of our own of partnering with the world. What if we tried something different? So where, what part of your life do you need to be submissive in? And understand, it's not a sign of weakness. We're going from enemy's intention to partner's. I tell you, one of the things that we have here at the church, we celebrate baptisms. We do, I think we do a pretty good job of celebrating baptisms. March 20th, we're gonna have a baptism ceremony during our services on all of our campuses. But I will tell you this, this is, I'm amazed as I have taught through and sat with people and talked to them about baptism the apprehension of doing that. And I will tell you that I think one of the greatest avenues of submission that we have is doing the very first thing that God asks of us once we accept him as Jesus. And that is to be baptized. And it is an act of submission. It is a public profession of our faith. But there is also something that Jesus does to us in that process. I'm gonna ask that you keep your eyes on the screen here. We're gonna watch just a very short video. I've always went to church throughout my life, but my faith was kind of lost a few years ago when I went through some really bad hard times. But then I realized that the good Lord was the only person that has ever been there for me, no matter what. Every time I prayed, I received an answer. Every time I asked for guidance, he was there. 
today I fully and 100% commit myself to the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would go ahead and come on making their way back out here. Uh, if I've said it once, I've said it 12,000 times. Baptisms never get old. But I will tell you this, that baptism is the second step of obedience. The first step is accepting Jesus. I don't know where you are in your faith walk. Some of you right now you are having, there's an intersection between you and Jesus. You and the cross. And I guarantee you that there's somebody that is hearing my voice either online or here in the Stafford campus right now that the idea of submission is frightening to you. You don't need to carry the weight of the world anymore. Last week, we talked about this, that change is possible. And that change comes in Jesus Christ. If you're ready for change and you are ready to submit to yourself, or excuse me, submit to Jesus, I think that's what is known as a Freudian, isn't it? Yeah. Submit to Jesus. If that's you today, I'm gonna to ask that you would pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you at the end of me and I'm terrified. But today, God, I'm submitting my heart and my life to you and allowing you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, I no longer want to fight against you, but I want to partner in with you so that I may have life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you did it online, there's going to be a, a little question up there or a little thing you can, the doohickey thing. That's the technical term, right? To press on that and let someone know that, I, that you just accepted Jesus for the first time. Folks here in our Stafford campus, if you have been fighting against submission, 
I'm going to ask you to tap out today and understand that that's okay. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to ask you to be really super bold. And as we sing this last song, our prayer team is going to be right up here and I'm going to be up here and I'm going to ask that you would just come and let one of us know, I did it. I'm willing to submit. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to get a Bible in your hand and we want to partner with you as you partner with God. All right. For all of you that, for whatever reason, you haven't submitted to baptism, your next step is going to be really easy. I'm going to ask that you would go right out those doors over there, that you would go to our guest service hub, and that you would let one of our wonderful volunteers know, hey, I want to get baptized March 20th. I, I'm ready to go all in. We'll get all your information, and I will get back with you later this week. All right? And we'll get you hooked up. Will you do that? Folks, I thank you so much for you being here. God, give us the wisdom. Give us the desire. Give us the courage to submit to whatever it is that you were calling us to submit to today. But not just today. May it be a transformational moment that carries us deeper and deeper into you so that we may not only know you better, but reflect your glory to everyone we come in contact with. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What's your next step?